0: This is the Hockey News Podcast.
1: Hey everybody, the Hockey News Podcast is finally back after a long layoff. We are rested. I'm back from Christmas holidays. Ken is here. Ryan is here, back from the World Juniors. Let's get to it, baby. So much to discuss today. We've got some MVP picks. We have the usual annual... Dougie Hamilton trade rumors, but before we get into that, I want to do a quick plug. If you go to newsstands this week, you're going to find a very special product, the Hockey News Money and Power Special Edition. We've never done it like this before. About 150 different people in the hockey industry are profiled. We've got profiles on every team owner, the NHL Executive Committee, and of course, our annual Top 100 People of Power. It's very exciting. It's very unique. We've never done it like this in the past. And now let's get down to the hockey, the meat, the hot topics. First of all, we are roughly at the season's halfway point, and that's usually cause for some awards chatter. End of the year, we'll do our you know official picks, we'll cast our votes, but let's talk MVP. I'm sure we'll have lots to say on the topic, so I want to
2: know from you guys, who is your MVP of the NHL season so far? Well, for me, it's the same MVP that's been the MVP of the players the last two years. It's Connor McDavid. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because the Edmonton Oilers are an American Hockey League team without him. They really are. They, they are. Uh, I, I just can't imagine where they would be without Connor McDavid. He drives everything, every bit of offense on that team. You know, I mean, anybody who plays with him starts, you know, having good numbers. Um, he he's he's uh, he, he hasn't made the Oilers a better team because he hasn't been able to do it all by himself. But he has been in the face of just immeasurable amounts of. Uh, turmoil and just, just mediocrity has risen above everyone. The one thing I am worried about with him, though, is, is when does he start getting beaten down? Because the mm-hmm. last two games that the Oilers have lost, Ken Hitchcock's gone after his best players. He said, uh, after their loss against San Jose, he said, when your best players are minus, you're not going to win, and he, he called out his best. Not without not by name, but we all know who yeah. those players are, and we all know it's Connor. But, but uh, this is a guy who I, I think gets it just... I, I don't know. Maybe it's a, not a sympathy vote, but man, the guy's got to be—he's he's the best player in the league, first of all. So if you're gonna if you're going to measure it by who's the best player in the league, he gets it. And and I really think that, you know, he is the most valuable because the Oilers would be—you know—they'd be playing in the Bundesliga without him. Right.
0: <laughs> I almost wonder because last year there was the great debate over whether a player can be the Hart Trophy winner if his team doesn't make the playoffs. But I almost wonder if a lot of those folks this year say just forget it. it's Connor. Yeah, like yeah. it's even worse this year. Yeah, yeah. Just just give it to him. Like we need to recognize the pain and suffering he's going through as an elite hockey player.
2: It's the Al Rollins thing when he won <laughs> when he won for the Chicago Blackhawks and they finished in last place and he he was their goalie. But it was it was almost because it was almost because he survived all of it. You know.
0: Right now I'm going to go in the exact opposite direction <laughs> with Nikita Kucherov from the Tampa Bay Lightning, 71 points in 43 games. You know. Oh. We've been talking in the first half about how great Mika Rantanen has been for the Colorado Avalanche. Kucherov has passed him. And I I almost feel that at a certain point, you know, there is the argument that he's got a lot of great players surrounding him. But, I mean, when you're that good and you're that deadly, I think you have to acknowledge that those other players are getting shelter by the fact that teams have to think about Nikita Kucherov every second that he's on the ice. And, I mean, as hot as he is right now, it's hard to look past such a deadly offensive performer.
1: Fair. Um, I'm going to be a douche. I'm going to go full skip (laughs) Bayless on this one and say, okay, Connor McDavid, are you the most valuable player to your team if... Your team is so bad that without you, they would actually be finishing lower and getting a better draft. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, okay, you, yeah, yeah. with you, they're not going to okay. make the playoffs. So you can right. make an argument yeah. that McDavid. Yeah, action. that is. He's hurting right. the Oilers. Yeah, Connor you're <laughs> right. Connor McDavid. You're right, He's that hurting really is hurting the Oilers. You're right. Okay, that's my joke. That's my joke <laughs> argument. But one thing, uh, full disclosure, one thing I didn't realize until I was at the awards last year, I was just looking closer at the definitions. The the Ted Lindsay Award is not MVP as voted by the players. It's most outstanding player right. as voted by the right. players. Right. So there is an award for the best player that can and likely will go to Connor McDavid and again, um, But I think because we know there is an award for the best player, we don't have to give it uh, give the heart to a guy who misses the playoffs. And I'm looking at Sidney Crosby for so many different reasons. For one, he is putting up some of the best offensive numbers of his career. He's on pace for more than 100 points, but he's doing it with Jake Gensel and Brian Rust as his wingers versus. Nick McKinnon playing with Miko Ranton and Kucherov playing with Steven Stamkos. Connor McDavid's most common linemate this year is Leon Draisaitl. Not playing yeah. with him all the time, yeah. but it has been his most common linemate. Crosby doesn't have nearly the supporting cast, and on top of that, He's playing selkie caliber defense uh, and yeah, forward, yeah. winning tons of faceoffs, taking tons of defensive zone faceoffs, and his actual deeper defensive metrics are very similar to Anje Kopitar's mm-hmm. last year. So, you're getting the offense from Crosby, weaker supporting cast, team that's on fire and playing great defense. I think Crosby's
2: been the most valuable player to his team in the NHL this year. That's mm. just me. No, I and I and I get that because as you say, I mean, he may do he may pull the Sergei Fedorov and be the MVP and the Selkie Trophy winner. He's right. been that good. He will, at the very least, I think, be a Selkie finalist this year. And uh, and I've talked to people in Pittsburgh who say that he's playing the best hockey that he's played since before the big concussion. Ooh, I mean, wow. he's been that good.
1: Fair, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, we go back to the trade rumor mill. And come on, Dougie Hamilton, again? He likes books, okay? <laughs> he likes, he like, his tastes are refined. And, Is he an outcast because of that? Is that what's happening again, the fact that he's being mentioned in trade rumors in Carolina? Or is it more that they're just disappointed with his play, or they have a surplus of good defensemen with team-friendly contracts? I guess, first off, what do you think is the problem? Is there a problem with Dougie Hamilton? And is it a social situation,
2: again, that's getting him on the trading block? I don't know. Does he go to too many museums? Apparently. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Maybe. Yeah, supposedly. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I think it's more of a function of the fact that they've got four right-handed shots on defense. They've got a guy who's at 5.75 is playing pretty well, actually. He's not... Mm-hmm. He On the ice, he hasn't been a detriment to this team, I don't believe. His his possession numbers are pretty good. Uh, you know, and and, and I mean, so, so... But what they need, they need offense, right? Yeah. So uh, this is a guy that they can trade somewhere to get some offensive talent. Now... What I'm concerned about here is you've got Dougie Hamilton at two, more, I believe, two more years after this year at five seven five. He's the highest-paid defenseman. You know, is Carolina becoming Arizona East? That's what I'm. That's what I'm wondering about here. You know, they traded Jeff Skinner uh, a year before his deal was up because they knew they couldn't sign him, and now that deal is looking. I mean, Cliff Pooh. Who knows how he's going to turn out? But. That deal's not looking good for Carolina. Mm -hmm. And if they, I think this, if they do deal him, it'll really tell the direction of where this franchise is going. Like, are they going to deal him for somebody who's going to help him now, a good young player who can score and is going to help him now, or is it all just going to be futures again? Mm-hmm. And if it's all just going to be futures again, then I, I would argue that that Carolina's going down that slippery mm-hmm. slope of being cu- becoming the Arizona Coyotes okay. East. Not mm-hmm. having made the playoffs in nine years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I know, you know, the new owner, Tom Dundon, is saying he wants to do things the right way, and he wants to build this team. He doesn't want to take shortcuts. Yeah, he Um, wants to.
2: He wants to. (laughs) He's the owner. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I'm looking at this a little differently right now, um, because in terms of Corsi percentage, he's the best defenseman on the team, second best regular on the team behind Jordan Stahl. He plays tough competition. You know, the, the guys that he's lining up against are Patrick Kane, Artemi Panarin, Jordan Eberle. So... He's doing his job. Now, I'm also looking at little things here. The other night, he was the guy that fished the puck out of the net when Saku Mandelainen scored his first NHL goal. So it was Dougie grabbing the puck to make sure that Mandelainen had that nice little trophy there. The Canes, have, they've been doing all the fantastic celebrations this year. Dougie has been involved.
2: He was floss. Like, his floss was amazing. That's right. Yeah.
0: He's dancing <laughs> it up like an 8-year-old. Um, so it seems like he's part of that team. Like, he's hes doing that, that social element, if you will. I kind of feel this time that if we're hearing rumors, it might be because he's a really good player that other teams want. Yeah. And, you know, can I agree? They need more help up front, particularly at center. As good as Sebastian Ajo is, he's not that true dominant center that you need if you're actually going to contend. Not yet, and I'm not sure if... if I think he's more of a 1B. So if they can turn Dougie Hamilton (coughs) into something substantial, then I think you make that move, because you're right. I mean, they do have a surplus of great blue liners, but... uh, I mean, we know that he hasn't fit in in teams in the past. I don't know if that's the case this time. I I look at everything, uh, all the evidence in front of me says this is just a really good player that can net you something really good in return. Yeah. And,
2: you know, there's some guys that they just get, like, there's some guys who play for 10 or 12 teams, and and you don't know why, and you figure out after their career is over that it's, it. you know, I mean, as as much as teams were willing to trade him. There were always a lot of teams that wanted the guy, too. And yeah. and maybe Dougie is just one of those guys who's going to end up playing for seven or eight mm-hmm. teams throughout the course of his career. Mm. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it happens to a lot of players who are not quite superstars. Maybe not quite stars, but they're very good. They're good enough to be valued, but they're not so good that they're untouchable on their teams. Right. So they, that's right. why they get traded often. Uh, next up, Habs GM Mark Bergevin this week being asked if he's going to start treating Montreal as a team that might buy because they're right on the cusp of a playoff spot. And he says he's not thinking about rentals. He's still thinking long term, and he might even consider trading veterans. Personally, I think if I'm a Habs fan, I'm thrilled with that news. It's a sign of evolution. It's a sign that Montreal realized that they were bottoming out, and they have to get younger. And yet, you see Isbury, Kokkinen, having a, an exciting rookie season. Max Domi breaking out. Even John Thornton, Durant showing signs of life. A lot to kind of get excited about mm-hmm. uh, in Montreal. So I, I'm thrilled if I'm a Habs fan and I hear that the fact that they're not going to, you know, just get a false sense of hope and do something stupid at the trade deadline.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean. If he had said anything else, I think there would have been a massive chorus of no, no, yeah. no, <laughs> no, don't do it. Because, like, I think we need to be realistic here. The Canadians are a probably a, maybe a playoff team, a periphery team in the playoffs. They're they're, they're sort of contending for a playoffs mm. spot in a conference and a division that's pretty ordinary, right? Um, you know, I mean, it's their divisions. not think are division. Okay, they're deadly. But 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 I think I I I don't think anybody is under the impression here that the Canadians are anywhere near being a team that can that can contend, right? No. And, you know, I don't even I, I you know, depending on the matchup, you know, if they get if they get Tampa in the first round, uh, they're done. If they get the winner of the Metropolitan Division in the first round, if they finish second last in that division, then, or in that conference, then they're still probably done. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any's, anybody's under any illusions that this is a team that's that's going to do anything this year. And I think they've done a good job of ridding themselves of some of these young players that they thought were kind of good that really didn't like the Nikita churbacks and the Jacob De La Roses and stuff like that they're sort of weeding them out of the organization that's giving other young players an opportunity to step in I think you know I'm with you, Matt I just think that, that it's a it's it's a situation where they have to kind of keep sort of looking at the future I mean you don't you know sometimes the future never comes mm-hmm. uh, but but I think in this case it would be really unwise to kind mm-hmm. of to kind of try and patch things up this year. If the present's yeah. weak sauce, then you just, you know, you've passed the sauce. I don't know what that means. Moving
1: okay. Yeah, 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 sure, bro. Um,
0: <laughs> back to normalcy. Uh, yeah, if I'm if I'm Bergevin right now, my only question is to how much do I change this team in terms of of shedding contracts? You know, Jordy Ben, uh, perfect UFA candidate where you know, you trade him at the deadline. You know, maybe you only get a, a mid-round draft pick or something like that. But you're you're getting an asset in return from a player that, you know, maybe you you don't end up re-signing in the summer. If you really want to get uh, into the rebuild, uh, Jeff Petrie, I think, would fetch. Some nice futures for you. So that's if you want to take things to another level. Um, because uh, you're right. I mean, the Habs cannot beat Tampa in a seven game series. They can't beat Toronto. They can't beat Boston. They
2: they won't beat Washington. They won't beat Washington. Yeah, yeah. They won't
0: beat Pittsburgh. Right. Um, so they're running out of opponents uh, <laughs> that are playoff teams. But you know, you look at the World Juniors this year. Ryan Paling, the MVP of the tournament. Habs pick could be with them as soon as next year. You know, could Caden, be with could
2: be with them by the end of this year.
0: Could be with them by the end yeah. of this year. Yeah. Although St. Cloud State is the number one team in the country, so if they go yeah. far, then right. the Habs right. might not be playing hockey right. by that point. Right. Um, you know, Caden Primo, the future, Annette, mm-hmm. played very well for Team USA. Jesse Yolonin played very well for Finland. Alexander Romanov, Romanov yeah. top defenseman in the tournament for Russia, and he's still quite young. So. They've put together some nice drafts under Trevor Timmons. Uh, this is the time to be patient. Right.
2: And when I say their division isn't very good, I mean I of course I know that Toronto and Tampa Bay are great, but Boston, at, Buffalo. Uh, Boston yeah. Yeah, okay. that's those are the third and fourth best teams in the division. Yeah, and, and, and they're admit. and they're okay. And then the rest of the division is terrible. Florida's yeah. awful, Detroit's awful, Ottawa's awful. Yep. I mean, so what I'm saying is that they don't have to leapfrog a whole bunch of teams in their own division because there's a right. lot of bad teams at the bottom of fair, that division.
1: Right,
2: fair. Okay. Just wanted to make that clear. We'll, established. Give you that. we'll give you that. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, Fantasy insider time. It's been a few weeks, so hopefully you're still in your playoff race. One guy I want you to grab is Kevin Fiala of the National Predators. And that situation where you look at a guy, hopefully, if you had a deep bench, he's a guy that you shouldn't have dropped because he's got the pedigree. First round pick. And he just, for whatever reason, got off to a very quiet start. He was one of my favorite sleepers entering the year. It just wasn't happening. And suddenly, boom, the switch is back on and Fiala's hot. Eight points in his past six games. Mm. And he was always supposed to do this. It's not a surprise. It wouldn't be a big surprise if he kept up production, maybe not this hot, but pretty strong the rest of the year and was, you know, a .75 points-per-game guy the rest of the season, so hopefully you hung on to him. Or he's also a great trade target because his overall numbers don't look too great yet, so you could find an owner who's not really paying attention, hasn't looked at what he's done in the last week, and you try and get him for a song in a trade. Another guy to look at is defenseman Eric Gustafson of the Chicago Blackhawks. 23 points in 40 games, playing huge minutes, and it's a situation of a team that just doesn't have anyone else on that blue line to give the minutes to, especially right. with Duncan Keith getting a lot older, so he's gotten a tremendous opportunity there, and he's scoring, he's getting power play points, he's got eight goals, Eric Gustafson. I'm not convinced that it's gonna last all season, but at the same time, the opportunity's there, and when it comes to defensemen in fantasy, especially in a deeper league, if the opportunity's there, that's that's reason enough to own the player. Uh, the last one, I'm embarrassed that I even have to make this recommendation, and this is pathetic, Nico Heischer, and yes, Fifty-four percent, as of the last time I checked, fifty-four percent of fantasy leagues don't have Nico Heischer on a roster, and to that's people in an those, outrage. that's ridiculous. That's an outrage. If, if you're playing one of those leagues, I, I say, uh, <laughs> honestly, if, you don't, if you're in a league that doesn't have Nico Heischer on a roster, your league sucks. And you should be ashamed. <laughs> you should quit the league. It's obviously not challenging enough. You probably have six or eight teams in your league and everybody's full of superstars. Your league sucks. Pick up Nico Heischer. <laughs> wow. Why <laughs> say? Wow. Like, that's an embarrassment. If you're playing right. in a fantasy league where a player that good is available to pick off, off the wire, that's a crappy fantasy league. I'm sorry. So get out of that league, okay? <laughs> yes. okay. okay. Ryan, it's your turn.
0: All right. Damn it. Wow. Okay, yes. Yeah. So, Future Watch, uh, starting with the 2019 draft, I was at the World Juniors, so we got to talk about Capo Kakko from Finland. Scored the game-winning goal in the gold medal game. And, I mean, he was really good all tournament long. Um, the Finns really found success when they put Ailey Tolvanen on a line with Kako and 2020 draft mm-hmm. pick Anton Lundell at center. And it was really the kids lifting up Tolvanen. Um, it was a great switch, and uh, you know I thought the Nashville pick... Played very well when he was with the kids, but Kako still on a better points per game pace than Patrick Line was in the same age bracket, uh, his same draft year. In the Finnish league. So, something to watch for there. They're not the same player. Uh, Kako actually looks up to Mika Rantanen, uh, mm. and he has the similar big body and very good puck protection skills. So, uh, I, I still think Jack Hughes is number one because he's a true center and he's got incredible speed. He was hampered by injury at the tournament and was still a point per game player. But, Kako, I, I think this is like the Austin Matthews Patrick Line draft right. where right. whoever picks the Finn at number two is going to be very happy. Um, sticking with the World Juniors for a drafted player, Grigory Denisenko, the Florida Panthers first rounder, uh, made the all-star team at the World Juniors, helped Russia win bronze. This was the most entertaining Russian team I've seen in person wow. in my hockey news career. And they've had some pretty good players, like Kuznetsov was there, Tarasenko, Panarin, mm-hmm. but this squad was so much fun to watch, and Denisenko was a huge driver. He played on a line with Vitaly Krafsov, the Rangers pick, and Klim in the St. Louis Blues pick, and they were electric, you know, big bodies. And then Denisenko, he's just a very aggressive, um, just very talented, quick player. L- ended up tied for the tournament lead in scoring, nine points in seven games. Uh, fellow Panthers prospect Alexey Hep- Heponiemi uh, was the other player that had nine points but uh, Dennis Sanko was just so much fun to watch, so talented, so skilled, and I know we always say, when are the Florida Panthers going to get good?
1: Yeah, I, we're, we're still saying we're it. We're still yeah. saying yeah, it. Yeah, but they, yeah. on paper, they've got some guys. Henrik Borgstrom, S- yeah. Owen
0: Tippett. Yeah, soon. Soon they have to be good. Really? Because they just have really? so okay. many, oh, yeah, so many good the players. Bank. I'll take <laughs> yeah. that to the bank. Yeah.
2: Riddle me this, Ryan Kennedy. Yes. Riddle me this. Okay. How do we quantify the season that Jack Hughes is having, playing largely against USHL competition. Oh, and college. And college, and college. Yep, and college yep. I was going to say, but yep. largely against USA and college. And Capo Caco, mm. who's doing it against men. How do you, like how, I, it's interesting to see, like, I wonder mm-hmm. what, what a scout would say. Like, how do you sort of, what are the metrics with that? And mm-hmm. like, is there an adjusted scoring or anything like that? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, I totally do. And I, I think it's, it's a little subjective because... It's not apples and oranges, and you have to look at the role that, you know, players in Europe get. Um, You know, I mean, Kravtsov is actually a very good example because... He was only getting so many minutes in Russia, but you know the Rangers obviously saw a lot of talent in him and they saw him get a little more time in the playoffs and go wild last year. Right. you know with Jack Hughes, I think what you probably do is look at his numbers against the college teams they've played and they're top end college teams right, right and he's been a huge success. and you even look back at his lineage last year, He was on the under-17 team, but he played a lot with the under-18 team as the number one center with Oliver Wallstrom and Joel Farabee. They actually reunited that line for a bit in Vancouver, which was fun. But Jack Hughes was still the best player on that team, even though he was a year younger than everybody else, and also playing against college competition. So I think you look at it kind of holistically and -hmm. and see what they do in different situations, and you're obviously talking to your scouts. um, But it is a fun debate.
1: All right. Time to talk magazine, and recently in our most recent issue, it actually was the World Junior Preview, but we have some NHL coverage in there too. Ken, you did a story on the two Joes, Thornton and Pavelski, in San Jose.
2: So just give us a lowdown on what you talked to the Joes about. Well, it's the two extraordinary Joes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they these guys have been the heart and soul of the San Jose of uh, the San Jose Sharks for the better part of more than a decade now, mm-hmm. right? Um, they've set the tone there. They've established the culture there. And now we're at a point where they're looking at some crossroads in their careers. I mean, Joe, Joe, when I say Joe, I mean Joe <laughs> Thornton, right? right? Like like when you say Joe, you mean Jumbo, Jumbo yeah. Joe. Anyways, he, I, I, I suspect he will be on a series of one-year contracts with the Sharks until both sides think it's not a great idea anymore. And, uh, you know, I do get the sense, though, that Joe Thornton's the kind of guy that, like, he's the Chris Chelios kind of guy. Like, Ooh. you're gonna have to peel the skates off him to, yes. to make him retire. Um, so that, that, that may be an issue going forward. You know, Pavelski's a whole different ball of wax because his contract's up, and it's a real interesting situation. He's the captain there, he wants to stay there, but he's also putting together a pretty damn good year. Um, right now, and it was it was a one of the strangest exchanges I've ever had with a player when I talked to him about it. Like he clearly was not interested in talking about his future or his contract. Uh, he it was like one word answers, and he was like, "So what? What do you think I'm going to retire?" And I was like, "No, I don't think you're going to retire." <laughs> uh, you know, and and then he was like, "Yeah, it was San Jose all the way, man." Like like, and and he, he just it just. It was really weird the way mm. and, and then he started getting into Patrick Marlowe and you should do a story about how many games he's played and everything and then he just goes, Nice talk and he walks away. <laughs> weird. <laughs> so it was kinda weird. But huh. I still think I still think that both of them I think I think Joe Pavelski's gonna be back. I think they yep. realize the value he has to that franchise. And if there's anybody who's gonna take a hometown discount, which is what it will be, mm. it won't be an egregious hometown discount, it won't be he won't be getting ripped off, but I'm pretty sure Joe Joe Pavelski would take a hometown discount to stay mm-hmm. long-term in San
1: Jose. And my, my amateur psychoanalysis of Pravelski's weird interactions is, is, it sounds like in his mind, it's San Jose or retirement. So the fact that there was even an implication of not right. playing in San Jose, uh, he didn't uh, even yeah. think, of it. He didn't yeah. think of other yeah. teams. He was yeah. like, you think I'm going to stop playing hockey? Right? Huh? Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I don't. No. Yeah. Yeah. no, I don't think you're going to. <laughs>
1: interesting. Very interesting. And uh, Ken, you still have the floor. It's hot take time. It's a bit, bit of a serious hot take this time. So yeah. uh, I'm yeah. just going to let you
2: um yeah g- it. Yeah, guys, uh, this past weekend in Northern Ontario, there was another bus accident <laughs> involving another Junior A hockey team. Uh, almost nine months to the day after the Humboldt tragedy, uh, the bus of the French River Rapids of the Northern Ontario Junior League. Uh, they, were, they were driving at, late at night. They were almost home. Uh, it was like 1.15 in the morning. The driver got blinded by some uh, the lights of another vehicle, uh, didn't see a curve in the road, and basically went off the road. The bus went down an eight-foot embankment into a farmer's field i talked to the owner the coach of, and the coach of the team and he said he, d- he has no idea how that bus didn't tip uh it was just sort of by the grace of god that that bus didn't tip over he said you know i mean thankfully uh there were no major injuries a few sore a few headaches a few cases of whiplash uh stuff strewn all over the bus and um that bus didn't have seat belts okay that bus didn't have seat belts i talked to the owner of the bus uh, of the bus company that leases the bus to them. This actually was the Sudbury Wolves old bus. Um, and he said that it would cost about five dollars to $10,000 to retrofit the bus with seatbelts. Uh, and, and I get that that's a lot of money, especially if you own a busing co- a t- bus company and you've got a whole fleet of buses. Mm. I get that that's a lot of money, but my gosh, I mean, uh, like how many times are we going to have to deal with this? How many times are we going to have to deal with close calls and tragedies before we say, you know, like, I, I don't understand. I mean, if I'm Hockey Canada and USA Hockey, it's like, any team that's in our that's under our governing body, you ain't getting on a bus unless it's got seatbelts on it. Mm-hmm. And you're and you, and and if you're not wearing those seatbelts and you get in an accident, don't expect our insurance to pay for it. Right. You know what I mean? And to me, it's like, guys, you know, all you minor hockey teams out there, like, don't even think of getting on a bus if it doesn't have seatbelts on it. If you're going to a tournament somewhere, the the roads in the winter in Canada are harsh. They're unforgiving, and you know, I mean, in a place like Northern Ontario, I I've, I'm from there, I've driven there a million times. They could have just as easily gone off that off that highway and careened into a bunch of bedrock. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, I mean, it to me, it's it's just it's such, uh, you know, it's it's such a no-brainer. I mean, we you know, and you can say, oh yeah, we used to, you know, well they've been doing this for a hundred years. They've been you know, teams have been bussing for years and years. Yeah, but you know, yeah. when I was a little kid in the '70s. You know, it was okay for a mother to smoke a dart in the front seat and have her kid in her yeah, exactly. in, in her hands, but we don't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so, you know, please let's 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 just do it. Let's buckle up and let's be safe.
1: I'm with you all the way. Good, Good to read more, Kenny Boyd. Good take, yeah. Absolutely no arguments with the hot take there. <laughs> We're going to go to the mailbag now. And the first question is from Grant. Grant says, what would you expect to be a decent return for Alex Petrangelo who might be on the block we'll see in St. Louis, from, say, Toronto? Uh, I'll, I'll give an example because I've been writing a bit about this before. Uh, I think if you're St. Louis, if you're trading Alex Pietrangelo or... Vladimir Tarasenko for that matter, it's a waving of a white flag, and I think it's less likely you're doing it to get immediate roster help. I think it's more of a giving up and announcing that we're going to start over. So I think a a trade with a team like the Leafs is going to be Futures, or at least a package that includes prospects and futures. So I'm going to say Timothy Lilligren, another right-handed shot. Yeah. Uh, maybe a decent prospect, someone like a Jeremy Bracco. And I think you're going to need at least one first-round pick. Maybe you go two first-round picks. And the Leafs are an example. They're a great example there, Grant, because they're an ideal trade partner um, because they've amassed so many futures, so many picks. They've reached the point now where they can start giving some away because they've reached that critical mass. If they get any more good young players, they won't, won't be able to afford to keep them anyway. So it's right. time to start making moves. Um, that would be an example off the top of my head of
2: what might be a realistic return. See, I, see, I wonder about the futures because like with St. Louis, I mean, they've been dreadful this year, obviously. Mm. But I mean, can you just tear it down? Like just by trading Tarasenko and or Pietrangelo? I mean, you've still got a lot of guys that are there, that are there long-term deals mm-hmm. and there's a core there. And I, I'm not 100% convinced that this isn't, Turnaroundable, right, right. Uh, you know. It's yep. I, I think it could be one of those things where um, you know the the turnaround is a lot quicker than. It might otherwise be, mm-hmm. and so then do you, you know, do you go all futures in that case? You know, do you start asking for roster players from the Leafs? I, you know, I mean, you're not going to get William Nylander. They said they're not going to trade him, and and that would be too much to give up, anyways. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. Pick your guy. I mean, Zach Hyman, you know, someone like that, someone who <laughs> can who can make you a, you know, a little bit better and give you a dimension that maybe you don't have, so that when this turnaround does happen. You know, when, you know, if if Tarasenko stays, if his luck gets better and if he turns it around, you know, if Jaden Schwartz starts playing better, you know, the Robbie Fabris of the world start, you know, everything starts to come together. Mm-hmm. Then you've got at least one or two guys in the lineup that you can say, OK, they, these guys can help push this right. along a little bit. So maybe hedging yeah. the
1: bets. So you're still going to have to include futures. Right. In first right. But also. Yeah,
2: I, I think I'd be looking for something that helps right now, too.
1: Yeah, I was kind of looking
0: at, uh, you know, Jeremy Bracco, I think, is a, a great Chip, he's almost a point per game player in the AHL this year. He's really come on strong for the Toronto Marlies. Um, I was thinking Nikita Zaitsev because then you're getting a right-handed defenseman to replace Petrangelo. You're getting a guy who's who's cheaper, which you know helps the Blues, but you also need to offset cost if you're the Leafs. I think that's
1: more doing the Leafs a favor. With all due respect, I
0: think sure, Zaitsev
1: as being a, a liability. But yeah, yeah, but you know, I mean, he's still. We we've
0: seen. Good Zaitsev yeah. in the yeah. past, and and if the Blues want some, um, you know, a guy who's under contract for multiple years, where you know that slot is taken care of, and you know he's he's a four, you know, maybe a five mm-hmm. defenseman, um, but at least you you'd have him locked in, and then you toss in a first or second round pick, I think. You know, because Petrangelo's got another year on his contract after this one, then you can you can go for that. But that was sort of what I was looking almost a hype Yeah, you know, yeah. and,
2: I, and I, I wonder if Zaitsev isn't the kind of guy that sort of needs to be somewhere where not everybody follows hockey so closely. Very true. You know, I mean, because yeah. some guys, they have to do that, and they and they get dealt away, and they, they become... Like, I don't think anybody's under the impression that Zaitsev is going to be a top-two defenseman, mm. but he could... Maybe be a top four guy yeah. on a decent team, mm-hmm. and I think I think if he's playing in a place where every single move and every mistake isn't scrutinized, he he might actually that might actually bring out better play in him. Mm. That's
1: a good point. Just reminded me of a story. I first met Nikita Zaitsev at the World Cup, 2016 World Cup, and he hadn't played a game for the Leafs yet, but he was about to, and he was almost irritated. Like I was asking him what he thinks about the North American game. Is he is he excited? And he was almost like. Like, why are you talking to me? I haven't even played a game yet. And, like, he was almost complaining about the pressure.
2: How could we not right? do it in your Russian accent? Uh,
1: yeah. I don't know. He's I just, not, he
2: doesn't have a thick Russian accent. I just accent. didn't...
1: Yeah. I, for some reason, I felt like I didn't want to... <laughs> it's like, maybe you can only do it with retired players. Okay. okay. I don't okay, know why. Okay. That's, it, that's a demarcation I mean, point. Yeah. I got it. I decided. Okay. I don't know yep, why. Yep. I thought about it. though. mid-sentence. I was like, am I doing the impression? Am I doing it? No, no. Abort. Abort. <laughs> yeah. But he he was, like, irritated, and he, he was getting philosophical with me, like you know, I've, like, why are we talking about this now? Like, I haven't even played a game. Well, and that, that implied, yeah, like, yeah. he was already feeling the pressure of being mm. in this market, right? Absolutely. So there you go. Uh, next question is from Hockey Island. As you can guess, someone who has a question about the Islanders. Hockey Island says, are the Isles real? I think Hockey Island means for real. They yeah. are a real franchise that exists. They definitely yeah. exist. Yeah. So, cl- or, yes. For the most part. Yeah. Uh, if so, do you see them
2: as buyers at the deadline? Interesting. No. Yes and no.
1: Yes, they are for real.
2: Yes, they are for real, Mm -hmm. I think. No, they shouldn't be... No, 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 no. Mm. Should not be buyers at the deadline at all. Now, when you
0: say for real, do you mean that they can make the playoffs or do something in the playoffs?
2: No, I mean they're for real in that they can... Maybe make the playoffs. Okay. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, But, yeah. And the yeah. Yes. but, yeah. but okay. that's, but I mean, that's light years ahead of what we thought for this. Oh, team, totally. You know, yes. I, yes, and I get, true. and I get that people want to see something from this group, right? Mm. Because I mean, they were, like, we we were all convinced at the beginning of the year that Lou Lamorello was tanking. Mm-hmm. You know, he he got he went out and got you know Leo Komaroff. He went out and got Matt Martin. Mm. He got went out and got guys that were like perfect as you call them. Professional tankers, right? Uh, and everything has changed. I mean, the whole the whole dynamic has changed. And uh, you know, this is a team that is probably a lot better than the sum of its parts. It's getting very, very good goaltending from from uh, Grayson yeah. right now. And I, I just think you know that's an. It's another. It's like a, the Montreal situation. You yeah. know, be happy with what you've got because it's way better in both cases than anybody ever could have imagined it was going to be. Yeah. And just see where this group takes you. Don't. Don't get crazy.
0: Yeah, and I, I would caution that they're 8-2 and two in their past 10 games, but the teams they've beaten for the most part, other than the revenge game against the Leafs, uh, <laughs> have been like Ottawa, Arizona, Chicago. Like, they're not exactly playing the top. They're not beating the top teams. But every
2: win's worth two points.
0: Very true. You know? Yeah, but and with the ebbs and flows yeah, yeah. of the yep. season. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah I, Ironically, I think the last wild card spot in the East is going to come down to The Islanders in Montreal.
1: Right. Mm. Interesting, Yeah. 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 And I look at Lou Lammarello and his situation uh, with the Leafs a couple years ago where they were sort of ahead of schedule as well and during Matthews' rookie season, but Lammarello didn't get ahead of himself. He played it relatively conservatively. He made a pretty minor trade for Brian Boyle just to get a bit of help at the deadline, yeah. but he didn't go crazy. And then I see a similar situation where the Isles are ahead of schedule, and they've got some nice prospects on the way. Oliver yeah. Wallstrom and Noah Dobson had such yeah. a good draft last year, and Kiefer Bellows on the way too. So they have things to get excited about on top of already being more competitive than expected. They're getting, getting like you said, great goaltending. I I don't think that's a coincidence because Mitch Korn is there mm. as the guru, right? So I think there's a lot of positive signs. And, of course, Barry Trotz. Yeah, they, have the, they,
2: they might have the best coach in the
1: league. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. The, I, I think, like you guys said, be happy that you're playing with house money right
2: now, but don't get ahead of yourself. Don't push all the yeah. chips in. I mean, Barry, Barry Trotz has kind of ruined all of this, right? Like true. It was like, okay, I gave you this team that you're supposed to be lousy with, and, <laughs> and you went and turned it around, and yeah. you're good. Come on, Barry. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah,
1: that's fair. That's right. And lastly, we have a question from Denis Boricat. Dennis Beauregard, if you're not a Francophone.
2: Beauregard. <laughs> uh,
1: Beauregard. <laughs> uh, and Denis asks, is there a future for the All-Star game? Ken, you have to take this question first, because I know you have hashtag thoughts.
2: <laughs> yeah, euthanize it! Kill it! Please, that's its future. Kill it oh my fire. God, this is the worst thing in the game. I have been to the all, last three All-Star games, and I'm going to admit, I'm going to say it right here. <laughs> I haven't watched a single one. I can can corroborate that. I have not watched a minute of the last three all-star games. I'm not in the press box. I'm down in the press room doing work. I want nothing to do with this farce. And you know what? They've tried everything. They've tried the world against North America. They've tried three-on-three. They've tried uh, everything. The players don't give a damn about it. Uh, I don't see why any of us should give a damn about it. Uh, I guess it's just one of those things that's, you know, it's like... Every year, you know, one of the one one time every year you got to invite your drunk uncle over for dinner and <laughs> you just have to put up with it and that's, you know, the all-star game is our drunk uncle. We just have to put up with it because <laughs> it's all for the for the sponsors and and I get you know like I I crapped on the All Star Game and I got a lot of I got a lot of return in return for it and everybody's saying yeah but you know the kids and you know the people it's in the San Jose is gonna love it they're gonna have a great time okay so we're gonna have this whole spectacle so like eighteen thousand people can have a great time okay whatever but to <laughs> me like is there a future for the All Star Game yeah kill it
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean realistically they're always gonna have some sort of all-star shindig and I I think it is important to note you know for the NHL's markets that it it is nice for them to get that spotlight when you go to a city like Columbus and you see how engaged everybody Mm -hmm. is and I'm Mm -hmm. sure San Jose is going to be the same. I agree I think so yeah. Yeah Yeah. I, I think it's a it's a fun thing and the format always needs tweaking and you're right you know sometimes they gotta drag the players kicking and screaming into the skills competition. I remember last year in particular, nobody wanted to be in the fastest skater competition because they always they all knew McDavid would win. So there was a lot of cajoling just to get people in the in but the mean, competition. Even that
2: used to be good. Like the skills competition used to be, Okay, to good. Yeah, it sucks now. It, it's. I think they're. It's a bit better. Like it's the, hit the, and the miss. breakaway,
1: the new save streak was was a good addition. I think. Yeah. Because, because the challenges where there can be a record to be beaten. Right. Those yeah, are the best yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah that, yeah. that was. A, that's
2: yeah. a, a, a. But that one where they're th- putting the throwing the puck across yeah, the ice into horrible. that little net and everything. No, yeah, it's that, like. That, yeah. Oh my god! Am I watching draft a draft. Yari Burski workout <laughs> here? Or, yeah. You know, like Mike. Those are
0: the events that are.
1: The most skilled, but the least... Fun to watch.
2: Fun to yeah,
0: watch. Yeah, yeah. And if they, they go Drew telegenic. Yeah. I
1: don't remember if it was last year or the year before where Drew Daddy just picked up the puck and he was like, this is ridiculous, right? Like, he couldn't, yeah. he couldn't get it over a certain thing. Yeah, and yeah, Sagan yeah. had yeah.
0: problems with one of them, too, and it's just like super awkward. And then to it's watch. not a
1: showcase of talent. It makes them look bad. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, think players, I think
2: that bothers the players a little bit. Oh, I, I, can, I bet you it does, yeah. yeah For the crowd sure. is starting
1: to murmur and you're stuck trying to get the yeah, puck over Yeah, because it's on
2: TV and everybody's. And you know that if you screw this up, it's going to be yeah, like. YouTube, watch Tyler Sagan screw up this, yeah, this you know yeah. all-star competition or whatever.
0: Here's what I want to see as an event, and Matt, this will resonate more with you fight than it will with Kent. Fight, no. oh. fight Fight.
2: Oh. Just have fights. That'd
0: be hilarious. <laughs> no, no, no. What I was gonna say is you take a page from the old Street Fighter 2 game and you have an event where you just have an old car, it can be sponsored, oh, brought yeah. to you by Sweet. Ford and you just have players from the teams, one on each end, they go a time, pucks? they wow. just shoot pucks at the car, they just knock the hell out of it. Just do as much damage as possible to the car, cool. and like, I don't know if the fans vote on which car is the most destroyed, or if there's some sort of metric, or if you do like the old <laughs> Stamkos, remember Stamkos <laughs> did that series of like commercials where he would just like smash like aquariums with his shot and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Do things like that that are just yeah, aesthetically yeah. pleasing to the eye, just when, fun to watch. And, yeah, and when
2: John Scott was there, he could have just skated into it.
0: Yeah.
2: Interact it. it. How <laughs> hilarious
0: would it be to just say to the players, like, just break this car however you want. And then you'd have some guys that are just like smashing their sticks over it. <laughs> Maybe somebody tries to like punch off the rear view mirror. I don't even know what you do, but
1: Imagine you have, you have car breaking injuries at the All-Star game. Oh, that'd be
0: hilarious. Day to day. Yeah, I don't I don't
2: think this is gonna happen, but it's a you know, so neat idea. I'm not saying it
1: will, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying it should. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good good Street Fighter reference. I was all about e Honda for that when you to Oh totally. Or Chun li Yeah. Turn yeah, you yeah, it, yeah. yeah you Blanket was the worst. You had to just, like, electrify yourself to yeah. like, break the bricks? No. Turn. Yeah, no, I hear What
2: are you guys talking about? Don't worry about it. Well, I don't don't even, worry about it. It's I, Gen I,
1: X stuff, yeah. speaking in a different
2: language, guys. Don't worry about it, I don't even, I don't it, understand. It's all good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a mathematical equation about all-star games. It's Larkin's Law of All-Star Games, okay? Uh-huh. The amount of contact in the sport is inversely proportional to the quality of the all-star game. So, mm. the Pro yeah. Bowl's the worst pro all-star game. Pro worst. Hockey's second worst. Then probably basketball, and baseball's by far the
2: best. right, right.
1: Because you can replicate the real game. Unless the you're
2: Pete Rose wiping out the the uh, the, catcher. The, the catcher at home plate yeah. in the All-Star That, game. Was, that awesome. was pretty wicked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, everybody, that's it for the Hockey News Podcast this week. Glad to be back. Hope you enjoyed it. And go to thehockeynews.com slash gold if you want to learn more about becoming a member, baby.